You're listening to Life and Shit. I'm Danielle Walker. And I'm Tommy Walker. Join us as we talk about our journey overcoming fears, boundaries, marriage, family, lifestyle, business, and whatever other shit you can think of. We're individuals that came together to create one unit with one mind and one goal. Welcome to another beautiful day. I am Tommy Walker. I'm the man on the mic, and I'm ready to rock the. Uh, oh, I've only done that twice. <laughs> Today's the second time that I've done that. <laughs> oh boy, I'm not gonna do what I did last time, uh, <laughs> even it, though it was real fly. <laughs> no, it sounded like you was about to bust a freestyle. <laughs> not this time. <laughs> Just something when you got a microphone and buttons and you know guests in the building. Yes. It's like. Just make you want to start freestyling. Yes. Do it for the culture. You're so silly. <laughs> Who do we have in the building today? Mr. Ken Barnes. Hey. hey. Welcome hey, to hey. Life and Shit. Thank you. Thanks for having cheers, me. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, yeah, cheers to that. Hey, appreciate cheers indeed. You. Appreciate you coming on board. Uh, Ken, <laughs> we going to get into it, but Ken is a, is a very extraordinary gentleman, and I'm, I'm just honored to have him here on with us, and, uh, and uh, we're going to talk about a lot of shit today. Yeah, man, a lot of shit. We're gonna be all over the place. Yeah. So, so, so y'all, y'all buckle down and grab your glass <laughs> of wine so we can have some fun. And Ken also set the new standard for the podcast. Yeah. So the new standard now is if you're a guest on the show, you got to bring a bring bottle, bottle of wine and, and bring a good bottle. He, <laughs> bought, yeah. he bought a good bottle, y'all. So yeah. So, so real quick, Ken, can you tell us about this bottle that you brought? Yeah. So this is uh, this winery. We found it in 2019 on a trip through southern France. Mm an area called Chateauneuf de Papa wine region down there. And we just met the winemaker randomly at a restaurant and tasted it and maybe stowed a couple of bottles in, uh, <laughs> in the bags and then shipped some other stuff in. Oh, and that's, and uh, that's one of the, uh, that's one of the goodies. So it's a 2019 <laughs> vintage pourable right out of the bottle. Mm. It's a blend of Grenache, Syrah, and Mouvedre. Ooh. And GSM is my favorite mm. uh, style. That's Southern okay. France and Paso Robles. That's, okay. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. Pour ready right out the bottle is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> relationships. Like like all that based on relationships. Yeah, yeah that is true. So so today's, uh, I got a question for you. What's the question? Yeah, are, are, are you okay with or... Actually, and this is kind of a different, you could go any way with this mm. question, right? Mm. Uh, how you, how you want to answer it. So, you know, people always talk about the, uh, the disparity and the, the, the gap of salary between C-level um, team members, part of a company, and then, you know, the employees. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like it's okay to have uh, C-level team members make 11 times more than the people at the bottom? Uh, I, I think it doesn't matter how much more they make, but they should make more, especially if they do more. Uh, okay. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Ken, we're going to fly that question over to you. you know, how do you feel about that? Well, I, well, I don't think it's a top and bottom type thing, <clears throat> but compensation is relative to what you bring to the table mm. and what's available in the market. And this, speaking of someone who's led companies for a long time, you do develop a certain set of skills that are rare mm -hmm. and that aren't available elsewhere. I think the big difference is as a CEO is your responsibility is all the divisions, mm -hmm. all everywhere in the company. Yeah. It's not just human resources or legal or operations or IT or finance. It, it's all the above. Mm -hmm. And if you're unable to flow through all of those departments. I'm not talking micromanaging, but you got to understand it's kind of like you don't need to be an accountant, 
But you need to be able to read a finance statement and know when someone's lying. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. When, the, when you need to call a, an accountant yeah. to take a second look. That's, you know, and, and so that's, you're going to have compensation that's going to flow with that. The other thing that you'll find, yeah, are there exceptions, of mm. course. And we're not talking about Fortune 10 companies where someone's making $40 million and someone else is making, you know, 26000 Real talk, you're usually talking, you know, that, uh, I don't know, anywhere from 400000 to $1.5 uh, type thing. But the reality is when you're running an enterprise, you have 17, 1800 employees, 2000 mm -hmm. workers. You're never off the clock. People don't realize that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's yep. true. Very you're true. never off the clock. No. Yeah. If, if someone says that you're off the clock, cool. What happens if that CEO gets drunk at a ball game on a Sunday? Mm. Does it make the paper or not? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. You're never off work. That's true. And, uh, and it's not like something to complain about, but there's a, there's a reality to the compensation difference. Mm -hmm. Typically speaking, you've taken different risk to get to that point. That's true. That others aren't willing to take. Yeah. Most people aren't willing to get fired at yeah. any time. That's yeah. the truth. I mean, it's well, like you, you, you've given your life, basically. You know, yeah. one person can clock in and then they clock out and they go home and they care less about what's happening yeah. after that, right? So they're, you know, but when it's it's your life, it's 24-hour access to hmm. you. It's not a tiny fiddle, know? like cry me a river thing, but yeah. it, it is the reality of that. And, and that's relative anywhere. The CFO has more to do than the senior account manager. Mm. So the CFO makes a lot of money. That makes that's a lot percent. of sense. And, and you know what? People got to understand who Ken Barnes is and, and the reason why we're having this conversation. Ken is CEO of everything. <laughs> 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 you know, he, he, he uh, graduated Columbia University. And after Columbia University, you worked in multiple arenas from for-profit and non-profit. When you, when you dabble over those two thresholds, you pick up skill sets that you know other people really don't have. I've never worked in a nonprofit. I don't know what it's like, mm -hmm. but you came into a nonprofit, changed the whole game, and and actually uh, made them much better. And and people don't understand that nonprofits operate like a, a company. They're a business. They have mm -hmm. to make certain goals. They have to you know in order to achieve what their mission is. Right. So so Ken. Had ran uh, uh, a, a non. He was the CEO of a nonprofit, and the nonprofit is based out of uh, San Diego. For uh, this is thirty-seven year old nonprofit. It was four hundred and forty employees, and 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 before that, he was a part of startups. Uh, you know, he 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 had his own business. So from being a part of startups, running his own business, and then being CEO of a nonprofit, this is real, this is uh, a skill set that you just don't pick up uh, by by going through the ranks true. You, you know what i mean this is trial and error mm -hmm. this is a lot of air <laughs> a, lot, a lot of air yeah. and, and this is knocking your head and and not, not you know i've always talked about there's no school for ceos right yeah, yeah. so so he didn't go to school to learn how to be a ceo for a nonprofit, and didn't go to school to run his own businesses and mm -hmm. didn't go to school for for running these startups and 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 not only that after graduating columbia university you still went on and went and got your mba so you know to to education is 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 one of those things where you know people kind of shit on it a little bit but yeah. it's one of those things that sets you apart from a lot of diff different things so so i got to give you your flowers on that and and, <laughs> and welcome to the show yeah. thank you we we got a heavy hitter in the building yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> so that's why I'm we can have this conversation I, I am a nerd who likes to learn <laughs> so I, I, love I, love it. It. I love it well before we get too far uh i want to ask this i know a lot of times the ladies are listening they hear it oh it's a <laughs> heavy hitter <laughs> heavy hitter what's going on <laughs> they want to know if i if you uh, if you're a heavy hitter outside too. 
<laughs> if you're single and ready to mingle, it, it, <laughs> or if you're locked down. Exceedingly, <laughs> overwhelmingly, beyond happy with oh. my wife, Angela. And, and, and you know what I, I said about my wife? I said, you know, one thing with COVID, you love is easy, but do you like them? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, I really like her. I, oh, you know, in addition yes. to love. Like, and so we, <clears throat> we actually do a lot of things together, and we don't have children. Mm-hmm. And so we spend a lot of time with, with each other. Uh, we cook a lot. Nice. And uh, awesome. probably awesome. four times-ish a week, we cook together. That's pretty cool. And, and that, it gives you a lot of time to communicate with one another, chat about what's going on in your life and work and whatever. And you get to flow. Thank it's you. like a little flow. It's, it's like, flow. you got the onions, I got this. And you Yeah, know, and like. it's, she's, so, so my wife's an attorney, uh, who actually in the building that we're in, she, she's got the top floor here. <laughs> she's right upstairs. Yeah, she's upstairs. She's looking down on us right now. But, you know, she's a, she's a self-taught chef. Uh, that's kind of how she would decompress from like trials and stuff, Ooh. and and then I kind of came along. I'm I'm more of her sous chef, and I, <laughs> I've got like my 14 things I do really well, you know. And but it's uh, it's fun. That's, uh, it's it's a lot it. of fun. That is uh, so I, I gotta say that is impressive the way you said that. Like I came along as the sous chef. Yes. Because. I'm not quite the sous chef yet, because yeah. my chopping, like, I can't quite yeah. chop that that well. Yeah, but you're good, though. But I'm you're, a seasoner. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, lo- I'm more on the seasoning table. Okay, so my number one tip, my number one tip on, on, on the chopping, on the chopping, you have to have sharp knives, and you have to have high-quality knives mm-hmm. that you keep sharp. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am a knife sharpening fiend. Mm-hmm. I am so particular about the knives that whenever we go on vacation, I travel with their knives. I have That's a professional great. knife carrier. <laughs> I take the knives and I have, you know, the boning mm. knives, mm. a chef's knife, another chef's knife, a different one for wet materials, a colon skiff knife. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, well, you, you gotta like. Down. That's gangster. Yeah. You gotta, you you gotta, get, you gotta be ready. Yeah, so I, I, I do the chopping. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love it. Can I make sauces well? <laughs> God, it bugs me. <laughs> I love it. Now, we talked a little bit about occupation, but yeah. what, what would you say? When it when it comes to occupation, Tommy Tillis gave a whole uh, vast of all the things that you've done and all the different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what what would you say now? I lead enterprises. Okay, I like that. I lead enterprises. My my um, if I had to pick the thing that I'm, you know, we're all like good or strong in certain mm-hmm. things. Um, pretty good at finance and um, really good at culture. Mm. That's my love. I, I love going into a place. And helping employees feel better about themselves That's dope. And, and their vision and their dreams, whatever that is. It may be there. It may be elsewhere. And you have to be mature enough to help them achieve whatever their path is in life. Exactly. Like and speaking of dreams, what are your, what are, what would you say are some of your dreams? Hmm. Well, one is I have a, gosh, I think it was a ad I saw in a magazine on a plane uh, back in 2000, year 2000, I think it was. And it, yeah, I tore out a page for yeah, I'll own that one. It was 23 years ago. I was, I was 29 years old. What was I supposed to do? But it, it was an ad for the Intercontinental, Intercontinental Hotel Group. And it says, you can't have a place until you see them all. Mm. And that's why I love to keep seeing places. And, and what my ongoing dream not like a destination, but the ongoing dream is to really keep experiencing things with Angela uh, that neither one of us have experienced. And it really just, it makes life fun. Yes. It makes life fun. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's awesome. And recreation? Oh, and recreation, yeah. I was like, <laughs> what do you like to do for fun? <laughs> uh, well, 
Well, I supposed to be doing. <laughs> uh, historically, uh, cycling. Uh, I've done a lot of cycling events, hundred mile rides, several fifty mile rides. Ooh, I got, miles. I got Ooh. out of, uh, and got a little bit out of practice. So I've got to force myself uh, back. <laughs> you know, Tommy's much more disciplined yeah. than I am. You know, <laughs> Semper Fi over here. Way yeah, over here. Right. Oh, you know, it was four thirty, and I hadn't worked out yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, that's because I told him <laughs> I was supposed to work out this afternoon. And I was like, fuck it, I got to move the workout to this morning. Yeah. So, but you know, it's funny because I just picked up cycling. Like, I, like yeah. I, all of us, I've never done a cycling class in my life. Like, we just bought bikes uh, in December. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm head over heels for it right now. It's fun. Yeah. And, and now my workout is like 30 minutes of cycling and then 30 minutes of some type of strength training. And then the day's off, which is Tuesday and Thursday, I'm, I'm on my bike doing at least 10 miles. Now, 100 miles. Whew. It's just, it's just, it just, what happens, you just do a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, it's. You know, you just, uh, you spend six hours on a bike. That's and, and, and you grab a sandwich at three hours and <laughs> you put some potatoes in your back pocket, a little boiled red potatoes with a little salt in it and peanut butter sandwich in the other pocket. That's all them pockets <laughs> are in the back. So yeah, that's food, man. And, uh, and you The other thing for fun is, so we like to cook. We travel a lot. That, yeah. That's kind of like our fun, little bits, big bits. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we try to put some time on the road. And so that's... Uh, I would say that's our fun side. Well, I like that. Yeah. I like so, that. And, we, cool. and we're going to talk about the traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, now, back to the topic about, you know, the, the disparity and in, mm-hmm. in, in the, the, the gap between uh, how much a C-level a employee makes and how much uh, a regular employee makes, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a company. It's completely different. It's one of those conversations that people are very, you know, leery of having. Like, is it be, it's not one of those conversations people like to talk about. It's true. It's true. Especially with just money, period. Yeah, yeah. What, what would you guys say is some of the, the most common, uh, like, methods used to determine what the CEO's pay is, period, well, though? Like, how is that even, you know, I think people don't know that. It depends. Mm-hmm. And that's not being snarky. It just <laughs> really depends. I mean, the best way is probably to do a survey of a particular industry yep. and based on company size, where you want to go, predicted growth, et cetera, and look at what those comps are. But then you have to ask yourself, where do you want to go? And then what do you need to get there? And so you're talking about different skills. Do you want someone who's about growth? Or are you just trying to keep the trains running on time? That's a different uh, skill set. Yeah. You know, or do you need an external CEO? Or do you need someone under the hood of the car? Do you need someone who's both? Mm. And so each one of those, you kind of add in a bit more or a bit more change. That's on the CEO level. Mm. It's the same basic thing when you're looking at, you know, a chief operating officer or a vice president of operations, uh, human resources officer or chief human resources officer, or do you have both of those? You know, how stratified is it and how big is the business? And so... And then with that, there's X factors that come in. How many locations do you have? How many employees do you have? How distributed is the workforce? Mm-hmm. How much technology do you use to execute the company? That's going to be a lot more these days than it even was historically mm-hmm. in non-tech world. So the there's all these little pieces. And then the question is, with that company and the skill set you need, what does that person cost? Because mm-hmm. remember, the more bells and whistles you add to the tree, the fewer people there are. So now the comps aren't necessarily what's out there as far as what this person makes. You got yourself unicorn here. <laughs> you know, there's six people that maybe hit all these boxes and you're like, 
Well, how much does it cost for that person to say yes? And that's what your comp that's, is. That's mm-hmm. or you got to change what you want to do. See now, that's real shit. Mm-hmm. And 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 when you think about that, you know, companies, you know, companies that have been around a long time have those opportunities and say, okay, this is what we're looking for. And then you have companies that haven't been around a long time and and they're just trying to do the best they can. And when you when you when you do C level like that, it makes you think. Like when he said. Everybody don't have that skill set. Everybody can't do that. Everybody can't. But then when you think about the positions that, you know, we're comparing to people that like to complain, because we, I, I think about how we were in uh, uh, an award ceremony for CEOs. I know. As soon as you said that, yeah. I was like, whew. And, and, <laughs> I remember that. And it was a nonprofit mm-hmm. and they were going through, uh, it was a contract year for them. And the employees of that nonprofit came in. Oh, we were at that together. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay, yeah. that was the one. We were there. <laughs> yeah. So, That's so right. you want to talk about like? <laughs> I can actually give you a little insight yeah. on that one. <laughs> Thank you. Baby. Like real yeah. talk. So we're. It was. Uh, I was the nominee that year. I didn't win. Me neither. But, but, not, but one of my best friends. Did. I was nominated too, and I didn't win. Two of my close friends won, so I was happy. No, but unreal. Like like Sid Vivek from Junior Achievement, Tamara Craver from Reality Changers, and Arnolfo Manikas. Um, from Mac, which we were going to talk that about, was, yeah. uh, won, so I was happy about it. So there, we're at the CEO of the Year Awards for the San Diego Business Journal, and there was some employee labor contract negotiations, and they decided to work to embarrass the CEO while he was receiving an award as a top CEO in the region, which he is. I happen to know him, so I'll admit I got a little bias. I love brother. Right. He's a good man. His He treats his staff well. I've seen him treat them in public and private. Mm. He treats them well in both settings. Mm. That's to me is a, a key re, uh, a key leader. That's why so is such a good leader. Lizette uh, Isles, who's his number two kind of mm. there. And they, I happen to know that they are, they stress about finding ways to pay employees more. Mm to treat employees well. And so sometimes you look at that and look, it's a little, you go, man, like really people? Like this is how you're gonna treat someone. This isn't, this isn't some guy who doesn't care about you. Mm. This guy who loses sleep over your life. And then you're gonna come and, and, and look to embarrass him in front of others. And for context, you know, this is a company that is probably the leading servicer, uh, service provider uh, amongst the Latino community. Mm. Mm. And so then they come in a room that mostly is not black or brown mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. to try to embarrass. And it, it like adds an extra layer yeah. uh, to it because when, when you're a CEO of color, you're already going through enough. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, but you know what I'm proud of? They're handing out flyers, mm-hmm. yep. and, you know, everything. And then that tall lady walked around, snatched all them flyers out, threw it in the trash. That was my wife. She was like, no, you ain't doing this. Coming in, grabbing the microphone, well, shutting it down. And that's why I love that you said try. They try to. You know what they I mean? They try to. Like, I mean, and we were there. And and I thought it was entertainment at first. When I when mm-hmm. I heard them coming in, rolling in, I was like, oh, so it's entertainment. And yeah, I was like, uh, who like, brought the band? Yeah. <laughs> but like, you want an example? You want to know why, why, why is C-Suite? Why is a CEO special? Mm. I'll use our noful. He was stoic. Mm-hmm. He was polite. Yeah. He sat there. You think it didn't bother him? Oh man, it bothered me. Right, it bothered me. Yeah, so so a thousand percent. I didn't even have to ask. Does it bother? Yeah. But but he sat there, ate it, and ate it while they 
grabbed the microphone, pushed people out of the way, rolled over security, just madness. And then he accepted his award. And what did he do? He, he made he a made joke, joke about, about it, it. Yeah. you know? Yeah. But the thing is, that's, that's the role. And, you know, when you're the program manager, mm -hmm. you don't have people come to your events and talk about you like a dog and hand out flyers calling you the devil. Mm. And, and, that, and that's the difference. Yeah. And it's a great example of, you know what? That's, you're going to get talked about and you can't get offended and that's the other thing we joked before we were talking i go you know what are you talking about I, like, I don't care talk about anything i don't get offended <laughs> well that's the thing because you can't you can't the yeah. only thing you should ever get angry about is what how someone is treating someone else mm -hmm. but if you ever get angry about how what people say about you you ain't leadership isn't for you no yeah, a yeah. thousand percent no what would credit you say, to bill clinton he said that is there a correlation between uh, ceo pay and co company performance there, there should be, there, there should be, uh, you know, that's what, I, would it, what is it? If it, well, it depends on what the companies are. So for certain circumstances, it's to profit bottom line, shareholder return, shareholder return is taking a wildly different definition <laughs> these days because shareholder return used to just be, you know, Hey, dollar cents earnings per share shareholder return now, you know, involves uh, social corporate governance. It involves, you know, environmental concerns, you know, employee morale, uh, public affairs, yeah. perception of the company. People want to be a part of a good company. Yeah, there, there's yeah. a number of other uh, measurements that, that go into it, some uh, qualitative, some quantitative. Mm -hmm. And it's those qualitative ones that are a little difficult to measure sometimes because it's not <laughs> dollars and cents. So yeah. there's arguments. Some say that it should always stay quantitative. Mm -hmm. It's bottom line. But I would argue that what the bottom line is, is a different, it varies. I, I took a, um, like, you know, I, I broke a whole bunch of rules when it came to like, well, so my obsession was maximizing uh, hourly employee pay. Mm. When I, when I came in, the first time I came into a, a nonprofit world, and so I couldn't understand how the average pay was 10 cents over minimum wage. Mm. That made no sense to me. And I understand that they lost some money and stuff before. I said, like, well, we just had to figure out a way to generate more, more revenue. Money, yeah. But I'm not paying somebody $13.10 an hour. Mm. You know, I, I just, that doesn't, that feels like a human rights violation. I don't know. Like, yeah. it just didn't feel right. And so. Yeah. I mean, it's know, like when you do the math, you know, it's yeah. like uh, my employee can't even live. So you, you know? got, got it up 38% <laughs> uh, over the first two years. Nice. Got them to 18 and a quarter. Uh, the goal was 20 within five years. And so it was well on, on its way. And you have to do it with, and you still have to be fiscally conscious. I mean, you can't put the place upside down. But right. one of the things we had generated more revenue than anticipated mm. uh, in fiscal year 22 at one point. This is when gas prices went through the roof. And so, you know, employees driving to and from work. Mm. We're not by public transportation. This is in New York City where oh, you yeah, grew up and yeah. I used to live. Yep. Right? So it's a different story. Transportation People, is and, different. And yeah. the lower your income is, the older your vehicle is typically, you're more likely to own it. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, so you're going to spend more on gas. Gas was 630, 640. Remember oh, that yeah. in spring oh. 22? And so I wrote everybody a bonus check. Every hourly employee. And, and your board was okay with that? Or well, you, I just wrote or, it. Or you, <laughs> you didn't ask for permission. Can't, yeah, can't say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll you know, I'm check. looking at, I, like, I, here I'm a nonprofit, <laughs> and I'm accumulating, a, you know, a couple of million dollars. 
there's no debt. So I paid off all the debt. Mm. So, you know, everything's cool. Yeah. So mm-hmm. everything's paid. So there's a lot. There's, a, I've got, you know, <laughs> eight, nine months of money in the bank. So, you know, my employees are hurting. See. Now, I couldn't raise their wages right then because you, that's a permanent shift mm-hmm. and you may or may not. So I believe in you have a fiscal performance, you look backwards and then you adjust. That's how you keep yourself out of trouble. Yep. A thousand percent. But right then on the, in the time, the period, I had employees who couldn't get to work because they couldn't afford to put gas in their car. Mm. You know, we were handing out gas cards and mm. things like that and gift cards. So I wrote them all a $1,000 check. Say that, and that's generous. Which is the equivalent of about 50 cents mm. raised per hour. It's but, just, but all at once. Yeah. And, and, and you've got to be about the people that you serve. And that's the difference. If you want to be a decent C-suite employee, serve everybody else. Don't give me these, sir, I'm a servant leader speeches. No, yeah. you know, right. are you going to write them a check? <laughs> it's, it's in the actions. And this is, and, and, and this is no small, like a thousand dollars. We were like, oh, that's nothing. 440 employees or 400 plus employees yeah. all got a thousand dollars. That's like, that's, that's significant. Yeah, they gave it to everybody, but the C-suite. So, yeah. because even, you know, a, a supervisor, you know, an area ma- a manager at a mid-level. They're not rich. No, They're true. just so this is true. filling the pain, too. C-suite didn't need it, though. Mm. Made enough money. And, 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 you know, explain the structure of because when you think of a nonprofit, it's not like you're going out there and you're selling more products. It, mm-hmm. It's not about what you're selling and, and trying to or increasing your price to bring in more revenue. You literally are building relationships and getting people to donate. So it, the structure, It's a blend. Yeah. So, so the Probably the biggest misperception about a nonprofit is they look at it as a nonprofit. That's just, it's incorporation in the tax code. This is a business. Mm-hmm. And you know what you got to do as a nonprofit? You got to follow the labor code. You know what you got to do as a nonprofit? You, you have to pay your bills. <laughs> you, you have to. <laughs> it's not you know, like church. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you got to do things right. And if you've got 400 people and you got a $24 million budget, <laughs> This is a business that just happens to be for the public good. And so that's where you make, you, you balance things. You don't make all your decisions on, you know, what makes the most money or makes the least, that's not, you can't go just by that. That, that has to inform your decision, mm-hmm. but you're operating a business and you should recruit people who have expertise in operating businesses. What happens often with nonprofits are really good people. They start something big heart, uh, maybe from the social services sector. Mm-hmm. And the thing grows beyond them mm. and things start to fall apart because they don't have expertise in running an enterprise. And unfortunately, some won't ask for help or seek to help, mm. or they don't have enough confidence in themselves to hire people at their level and above. In other words, your C-suite should all be able to do your job. Mm-hmm. And that, if you want to be a real effective CEO, hire six more people who can be CEOs. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's that's real shit, and and that's a, that's the kind of you know where where when it comes to coaching and leadership, it's I want to be so transparent and show you the job. Like it's it's not I don't want to hide and say no, you can't learn how to do this. Only I know because this. only I know this because I don't want you to take my position. I tell my team all exactly. the time, is you know you're not growing unless you're, you're teaching someone else how to take your job, not yeah. do your job, take your job. Mm-hmm. I want you to teach somebody how to take your job. And even if they don't take your job in this world, in, in, in this company, they're growing and they're going to go somewhere else. And and the, the other part of that is if, if you don't, you're giving yourself room to grow, 
right? Let them yeah. take your job, and now you have the opportunity you to can go do to more the next things. level. Exactly. Yeah. And now, Tommy talked about the board. Did you have permission from the board to give those bonuses? I didn't need out? permission. And but but now my question <laughs> is, <laughs> no, I mean, well, you have to understand like the, the power of your role. Mm -hmm. You know, they mm -hmm. a board has one employee. You. Yeah. And that, that's yeah. it. And you're you're authorized to execute within whatever the bounds are that, you know, policies and things like that. But and you got to execute. So does the board have any say in setting uh, the CEO's pay? They're the only people who set the pay. Yep. Mm. That's mm. the only job they set to pay for. And, and they're the ones that fire. And, uh, with a non, <laughs> and with a nonprofit, a uh, uh, board has to set the pay of the chief fiscal officer. Mm. That That's just a state law. You got to run it through and they have to. You know, uh, I was gonna say, how do they sh how do they ensure that it's like fair and and it's transparent? So you know, what you I mean? do like, a salary survey. Uh, okay. There's part of it how you stay in compliance with, you know, IRS rules. You do a survey like, hey, what is the pay range uh, for it based upon this size company? So, like for example, in San Diego, I think the last one from twenty twenty one. Last time I, I looked at something, business with what fifteen to twenty-five million, or ten to twenty-five million, or something like that. Uh, more than a hundred employees, some other little check boxes. You know, I think the pay range is like, you know, low end, probably like two sixty, two seventy-five, up to four hundred uh, in, in that group, and then you factor in other things such as uh, options, their background, because there, there isn't stock and things like that, but there's it's background, what they bring to the table, their performance, ah, okay. and then you adjust that. Mm -hmm. and, and like like we talked about before, shareholder return in a nonprofit's different. So what is it they're looking for? And if you're really executing a nonprofit, I was just coaching someone uh, earlier today that's a nonprofit world in the earlier stages of the you know fourth year mm -hmm. uh, company. Mm -hmm about uh, one of the things you can do is really look at doing more fee-for-service work so that you're not totally dependent upon dollars that you raise year to year. Mm. You, it's a business mm -hmm. that's for the public good. So that's, so again, it's not a, I don't want to give you like a non-answer, yeah. but right. it really is like, it depends so is the answer to how and, you set the company. And one of the things that, you know, people kind of get misconstrued with CEO pay is, they think the CEO sets the pay. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, true. it's like no, oh, it's you're the, the CEO. No, the board mm -hmm. sets the pay. Just actually, the market sets the pay. And, yeah, the market and the board. <laughs> the board says, all right, we're at you know, we're going to come in at market, and mm -hmm. and this is what it is, and and it's not. It's not a thing where uh, if you're a, a public company, that's where it is. A private company now. That's different. Different world, yeah. right? It's yeah. a, it's a different world. You said it, but as a private company too, there's a lot more restriction not restrictions but a lot more obstacles mm -hmm. because you're you know if you're private most if you're a brand new private company or even if you're private and you're huge there's still a lot of obstacles that you got to overcome so so can you i mean you've been in a startup world i mean us we've been in business now for four years mm -hmm. and i mean honestly our, our pay is not you know and, and we we do decent but our pay is literally set mm -hmm. at what uh the, what they call the max for social security <laughs> so, so so if you want to participate yeah. in social security you set the max because of you know all these different things but we're not the ones like we're we're not those kind of c-level uh members and we're we're private owners like we have zero partners right and we don't go out and take you know a million dollars of revenue our, our, our revenue is literally our ops manager makes more than we and do. And we do. Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. 
probably a conversation for another day, but there's a couple <laughs> of, you know, as someone's own companies before, uh, your comp isn't relevant to the employees because you own the company. Yeah. Right. So you also, you know, you gotta get profits, or maybe yeah. you gotta put more in. Yeah. No, but that, 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 that's on. That is, I mean, yeah. it's not really the same. But the other thing I would say, um, and this isn't just to you, this is to all entrepreneurs everywhere, as someone who did a lot of work in that mergers and acquisitions world mm. and startup, uh, don't own the whole thing yourself. We've learned that. Now. <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> I made that mistake. Well, yeah. I, I'm speaking from a personal yeah. mistake that I made before you. You, you want partners, and at one, you're going to learn more, and two, you'll be able to do more. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and we learned that because the first partnership, nobody had an idea. Now we were like, I, part of it was ego because it was like, oh fuck y'all, we're going to make this Just thing happen. Do it ourselves, <laughs> yeah. you know? Don't yeah. want partners without headache. without the restrictions. Yeah, and, that too. A lot of people feel that way. Yeah, and then and then the other part now is like, because now with our new venture, we're like, all right, we're going after the partners. Like mm -hmm. we're going to like you know anybody wants to take a a, <laughs> a share, hey, we're giving away shares. Yeah, yeah let's do it. <laughs> but when we started, it was real bootstrap. Yeah, and 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 it was, it, I, I think it was more on purpose for us to be bootstrap. But we got like I got employees that feel like, oh, like we owe. I'm like, hold me. You don't know that I had to sell my car to get this business started. Yeah, yeah. But you feel like I owe you something. That's always going to be the case. Yeah. yeah Look, I, I mean, I, I, I sold a car. I sold some golf clubs. I sold like when I started my business, I sold everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I like come up with the the cash. But the, here's the thing. They shouldn't care. And you shouldn't care that they care. No, no. now I don't. No. Yeah, no, I mean, you yeah. know, I, yeah, I mean, that's yep. just, you know, and, and look, it's just is what it is. But someone told me once, and it was good advice, is uh, don't let the knuckleheads influence how you feel about everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. There's always going to be some knuckleheads. <laughs> right. but, there's, but, but as long as you have uh, a great culture, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. then the rest are going to come along, and they're going to they're gonna encourage you. They're going to give you strength when you feel a little weak. Yes. Uh, they're going to give you a little bounce. Uh, they're going to love where they work, and they're going to love you personally. I, I'm still in contact with many, many former employees going back 20, gosh, no, longer than that, maybe wow. 27 years of management slash business ownership. I, I stay in touch with a lot of people. I love um, that. And, and it's just about do you really love them? I, I yeah. love the people who I work with, I, I, I really do. I, I actually, I'm not shy about being a Christian. I, I, I've talked about this before. And, you know, I always think that, you know, in, in weddings, they always often read from like uh, 1 Corinthians 13 about love. Mm. You know, love is this, love is that. Mm -hmm. It's kind, it's patient, it's, it's uh, you know, it has grace and on and on. We could do that in the workplace. Mm -hmm. It actually works in a secular sense. Yeah. True. Like, and, and because if you're, if you give grace, so staff people are gonna make mistakes. Give mm -hmm. them grace, mm -hmm. you know, which is just you know a merit of grace. You know, if you, if you mm -hmm. care about what's gonna happen to them, if you care about their lives, that, from a pure business operations perspective, it, it is a profitable way to do business. That's a thousand percent. Like if you just yeah. want to like the yeah. pure business school approach, yeah. I would argue that love is quite profitable yeah. in, in the business. Love sense. is the way to make it. That love is that, that yeah, you're going you to preach up in here a, yeah, in a minute. That's a, that's a, that's a thousand percent. <laughs> and, and it's funny you say that because like every year, like I've, I've been, uh, when I was in the corporate world, same thing. 
I used to meet up with my guys every year around Christmas time. We'll meet up, go out, have drinks, eat. And I did that for 12 years when I was with them. And now I've been away six years and I still do it every year with them. They yeah. call me up and say, hey, Tommy, we meeting at this one. I'm like, all right, I'll see you. They're the there. ones in New York? Uh, not here. here. Oh, okay. Yep, here, here in San Diego. So, so guys, we talked about uh, starting the business, right? And, and, and uh, giving up our cars and sometimes <laughs> golf clubs or yeah. whatnot, right? Um, how, how would you say startups typically raise m- capital? Is that how? Is that no, what that's that how black or? people raise capital. Because we're going to own it all ourselves. Ain't nobody going to have my company. Shares. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, you know, what I've learned through trial and error. Mm-hmm is the most effective companies. You're not just raising capital to spread risk and risk mitigation, which is wise, mm-hmm. uh, but you're bringing in significantly more knowledge. There's, there's just so much out there to know that you can't know, and you have to acknowledge that. You also, by raising capital, you can actually create a real legitimate enterprise that flows. You can pay employees well. You can expand. You can take some risk because uh, a good startup takes risk, calculated risk, and they don't all work out. That's mm. okay. You can fail, but you need space to fail. And what I would argue is that self-financed companies who use loans or lending or SBC and on and on and mm. on, um, they don't have the capacity to fail. And you need to be able to fail to grow. Mm. You need to fail forward. And, uh, that's that's, yeah, failing up. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> but it's a good point because we actually went through that. Um, so when we scaled our business, no, you know, no back, no financial backing. We 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 did we did it on our own, and that, and that was one of the things. To your point of the the, the education point uh, approach, I had no idea what scaling was like until we went through it. Right. And when we scaled, I mean, we doubled the company, and. To double a company that fast in 18, like we did it in 18 months, mm-hmm. doubled everything, our assets, our, our, our headcount, our payroll, everything was doubled and it was financed <laughs> through us. Yeah. And it was like, oh, shit. Like, what just happened? Yeah, what, like, damn. Our heads were spinning. Yeah, it, it, literally. Took, it literally dried out the bank and it was yeah. like, oh, all right, well, mm-hmm. that wasn't, like, it looks good. Yeah. Now we're operating over 100 employees, got all these assets, got multiple offices, and it was like. Well, damn, and now and now we have no room for, for error. We yeah. had no room to take any more risk. We had no room mm-hmm. to pay anybody mm-hmm. uh, uh, to keep them because yep. now the, the market was so competitive. Mm-hmm. We're competing against, uh, in our transportation, we're competing against UPS and FedEx. Mm-hmm. So how do we say, all right, yo, we're better than these guys, even though they're bigger than us. Yeah. We had yeah. to go out, the junior guys coming out of the gate. And therefore, you know, we wind up losing on, on that whole division mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yo, yeah. So, Biggest so. mistake I ever made looking back business. I owned a payment processing company, uh, banking services, mm. and I built a call center in the Philippines in this uh, town called Iloilo. And it's like an hour flight South of Manila. Mm. And I did it all out of pocket. I, uh, I had financial backing from the bank. Washington Mutual, man, I was feeling good, right? Mm-hmm. Credit. Remember, remember those guys? Yeah, credit was strong. <laughs> Boy, they gave me any amount. I was like, y'all gonna give me all this money? <laughs> just on my name. Like, just That's all I gotta do is sign here? No collateral. Oh. You sure? Yeah, man, they gave me all that cash. Oh. Built the call center and things are going well. We had a little hiccup, mm-hmm. and then hiccups happened. Mm-hmm. Two things happened. One, 
Washington Mutual ceased to exist as an organization. <laughs> that was big. That's huge. This was 2008. <laughs> uh, the second thing was because I had used savings and, and I borrowed money to do it, it wasn't that it wasn't a, a it was a non-solvable issue. It was solvable. It just needed some cash. Mm. But I was out of cash. Now, if I had used partners going into this, you know, it wouldn't have been a big deal to come up with another hundred thousand dollars to solve mm. this issue. Right. But it's mm. tapped. I didn't have a hundred K cash on hand. I had I had unloaded the 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 liquid because I was like, I don't want to I want to generate debt. I don't want somebody else telling me what to do. I want to part of my business. I'm going to make this bank right. myself. Right. And, and I learned from that. You know, I was fortunate there that I was able to get out of the, you know, get back to zero. Right. Which, which was, <laughs> success. I, I was happy yeah, with that's, it. That, uh, that's a win. Just real talk. That's like, a I win. was like, real yeah. talk. can I kind of rather get to zero here? Yeah. I, I got, got to zero and hit the eject button, yeah. you know, and that was lesson learned. But um, it, uh, that's always stuck with me. Yeah. That was that. the final lesson. And I was going to say, what are the most common mistakes that you think startups make? Uh, Other they than think not having partners. They think it's going to take less money. Uh, they don't raise enough capital they always say whatever you think it is raised like triple more right it's not, <laughs> and it's not because of wasteful spending or things like that it's just things are going to happen uh, r d costs a lot of money i'm about to say r d that's that's it right r d just keeps going mm -hmm. and you have to be at the at the edge so r d explain work. what that means for research and, so yeah. research and development mm -hmm. whatever your product is whatever the service that you're providing mm -hmm. you've got to do market research to know what you can't use your gut mm -hmm. yeah no nah, mm -hmm. you got to survey you got to talk to mm -hmm. the market like so my, I, you can't feel it i feel like yeah. people like this right <laughs> you have to let that inform you can use intuitive feelings but you need to have it backed by science mm -hmm. yeah and like, like i got a buddy right now doing research and development he got a pretty pretty dope product and he's at a point now where he's like all right we're raising this money we're we're spending money on r d mm -hmm. as an owner I'm going to take minimum wage mm. as the founder. Like he's a founder and he's like, I don't, I'm not taking C-level salary. I'm not, I'm taking minimum wage mm. below what any other employee in this com company is, is, is making. Mm. But those are the sacrifices that you got to make to make, sh to, to make it. I mean, he know? owns a company though, right? Yeah. yeah. He owns it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, he owns a portion of it. You're talking about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he owns a portion yeah, of that, it. That, there's like some dude on Twitter that talks about this. I only took 70,000. Like, yeah, man, but you sold the company yeah. for like $39 million, right? So, yeah. So yeah. You, you're not hungry. Yeah. And you still go into your favorite restaurants. Yeah. But that was from <laughs> yeah. people from rich families talking about, oh, I'm just taking the mental. Yeah, but. But but you're not behind on your SDG and email, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, that's real talk. That's, and and it's funny that you say that because when when we first started, we didn't pay our mortgage for four months. Mm. So four months we and then I got the letter. I was like, hey, you forgot to pay. I was like, no, I didn't forget to pay. Mm. <laughs> and then we got the letter. It was like, if you don't pay this next month, then we're gonna put liens on. We we're like, okay. We yeah. Well, you want to know? I, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because it it, it actually speaks to. The, the reality of what black entrepreneurs, more than anyone else, face the whole long list of other things mm. that come into play. But I think about even like college, mm. you know, so I'll always remember it was going in my third semester. I was just, I was maxed out. I'd used what savings I had because I went back to college a little later in life. And I borrowed what I could borrow 
and I, I need it just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. My Aunt Mary gave me her mortgage payment mm-hmm. so that I could stay in college mm-hmm. and pay. I, I was eight days from being disenrolled mm-hmm. because I hadn't paid over. Her, her mortgage was like eleven, twelve hundred dollars and mm-hmm. that's what I needed. And that's what she called me. She goes, hey, I prayed over this. And then mm-hmm. I called more company and they said they can put it this this payment to the backside of my mortgage. And then I, I just wanted to, you know, I put a check in the mail to you. Oh man! And you know, it's like, that's real life mm-hmm. for, for black entrepreneurs, for black academics who are coming through. And I think for me, it's, I, I remember those things. And so being the first one, my family to have a four year degree, and my mom's one of 18 kids. I've you know, 43 mm. first cousins, lots of seconds. 43 first cousins. <laughs> and, you know, you, that's what it takes, that that, that investment. Wow. And so I, it just, I don't think people understand the complexities. Mm-hmm. They don't, yes. they ask about like reparations and why mm. and stuff. And I'm like, because my grandfather who died in 04, mm. who I'm named after, mm. my grandfather, mm. my granddaddy, his first language isn't English. It's Gola and Geechee, a slave language. Mm. That's how close That's, slavery is. That, a thousand Damn. percent. Yeah, and and, and and it's funny because, you know, the kids need now to. I'm 52. Yeah, and kids. So, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> right. It's not old. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I was born in 1970. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather's first language is a slave language. Yeah. So you And, and, and <laughs> as kids need to understand that. Like, that's literally how close we are mm. to, 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 to the way this country was ran for so long. So long. My mama, the first time she got to vote, my parents were 1968. Mm. My mom was 28 and or 26, and my dad was 34, 33. Say, and you, and you could tell us. And, and I the, mean, that was yeah. just five minutes ago. Yeah. Wow. Like, and the opportunity <laughs> to be able to tell those stories, like that's that's stuff that can't just be swept under the bus, true. right, or under the under carpet. The carpet. <laughs> yeah, like you or can't. The bus. <laughs> you can't just say, "Oh no, we're we're changed, we're different. This is how it is." Like, yeah, we we. We're on a long journey. Yeah. So we was talking about this the other day. We were talking about uh, life is a, a journey, right? It's like mm. a bus ride. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to the to the author, uh, Merritt. Merritt is uh, the author of uh, My View from the Back of the Bus. Yeah. It's <laughs> a great book. And, and and we were just talking about, you know, just, you know, how close it was and, and the, the experiences and where we are today, but yet still dealing with a lot of the shit. Mm. And even as an entrepreneur, as a C-level, you know, no matter what, we still have to go through the same shit even harder mm-hmm. we like we have to be better we have to learn more and we have to be more efficient and they don't like no uppity negroes not nah, not nah. and then, and then don't be why too i wear uppity. that shirt sometimes yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uppity negro since 1865 yeah man I, and, and don't be too uppity because if you do i came in here with some shad to pop why kiss my black ass that reminds me that reminds me this is life and that's right that's right. Uh, it reminds me of Warren, Warren Buffett's quote. It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it, right? And if you think about that, you'll, you'll do things differently. A thousand percent. That's now, why I don't hang out with women I ain't married to. I know, that's right. That part right there. That, five minutes, boom. Yeah, yep. exactly. Especially as a black man. Cause oh, gosh. They'll label you. Oh, man. Kinda, if you see me with somebody... I ain't married to you. It's someone as well known as one of my close <laughs> friends, you know, and like you just you can't. Uh, and I, I always say, 
You gotta Where's protect my yourself. Sister? Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotta protect yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yes, to. yes. And now, Tommy will tell me that all the time too. Like, well, you know, protect me too if we're yeah. somewhere. He's like, you gotta protect me, babe. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. You never know. Mm-hmm. So, so we talked about you know <laughs> reparations. Really. <laughs> now you had the opportunity to you know you said your grandfather native language is a slave slave language. You had the opportunity to go to Africa. This is it's on our bucket list to go to to, to go to Africa. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Because because you, you made mention the first time in as much traveling that you've done, it's the first time you actually went to where it that comment. Now I just hit the like tip, that. you know. Wait, that came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was in North Africa <laughs> in Morocco. I I really my my lineage traces to Western Africa, and I want to make my way back mm-hmm. to Sub-Saharan Africa and dive into that. But nevertheless. Um, uh, it was weird for me when I landed uh, in Morocco. Yeah, the plane we deplaned uh, on the tarmac, and uh, you know, with a ladder. When, when I stepped on, I felt something, mm. and, and my knee. I felt a little emotional. Actually, I, my eyes swatted some. I don't. Yeah. It was. I can't explain it. Yeah. But the biggest thing was, and we've literally been over the around the world. The only yeah. continent we haven't hit is Antarctica. Wow. That's on our hit list for 2024. How about that? Shit, that was your spirit. Your soul was yeah. like, I am uh, home. I, I, you yeah, know it, was, it was like, like, I still can't articulate that energy, it. That, and oof. it's been, you know, eight months, seven months, I guess. And when, I think what stuck out to me is when I saw people who looked like me, mm. like actually looked like relatives. Mm. I had someone ask me if I was someone else. Wow. Because he, he and I opened my mouth and he could, you know, or, so yeah, I was American. Yeah. And he, he's like, no, my, and he showed me a photo. I looked like this brother. Wow. I was like, oh my gosh, like I do. You know, my wife was laughing. She's like, oh my God. And, and it was just like, that's never happened. I've yeah. lived in China. Yeah. You know, I, I've been other, I've never. It's like my people. Yeah, yeah like, like and I was people. something. There was something comforting about it. The closest I ever came was once I was in northern India uh, near the Pakistan border. And I, it was summer, so it was hot, and so my head was shaved. And I had a baseball cap on. And they assumed I was Pakistani because they would start talking to me in Urdu. Really? Uh, and in Pashtun. I, I don't speak Urdu. And it, uh, and they just assumed that I was Pakistani. So, oh, okay. That was the first time I had the experience of a lot of brown people you know, close. Uh. But over there was the first time where it was just like, no, I actually really. That's that is so impressive, yeah. I, and, and it's on our list to go uh, next year. Actually, is is when we're supposed to be. But you went to Morocco. I got a buddy that's from Morocco, and he talks highly of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because he's from Morocco. He lived in New York, and then now he's here. He's yeah. like, I'm like, man, <laughs> the journey. Yeah, we're on the, the same trajectory journey. too. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but so 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 a great time. In, how long were you there? We were there a few weeks. So a couple weeks. Now. When I think of Africa, I think of the coast. I think of the, the beautiful cities, especially on the west, because like you said, that's where most of our ancestors mm-hmm. are, are from. But when you go up north, it's a little different. And Morocco is a very beautiful city. Uh, you know, it's, it's a great country. It's, a, it's, a, it's an Arab nation, which is a little bit different. So mm-hmm. most of sub-Saharan Africa is not uh, you know, Muslim. And so, you know, know, they, they yeah. pr- you know, the, the prayer calls five times a day. And uh, the fascinating thing I found about that, um, you know, even though, you know, I, I, I'm not Muslim, what I really came to respect was how 
this community of people comes together five times a day in prayer. Like they, they bond uh, around it. It takes a little getting used to it. The first time like air sirens going off or something, I'm like, oh, we dying, it's a bomb, you know? Like, and then it's like, oh, it's, that's, it's like, it's, a, it's a, and I was like, oh, they're saying something and, you know. And, and immediately everybody, everybody stops. Yeah. So I want to say all those fire alarms that we went through or those fire drills as kids worked. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, we I, hear the alarm and we're like, okay, oh, is, there, yeah, the is there a table for me to get under Tell somewhere? Tell my wife down, get on, you know, but, you know, it was a, um, it is it's it's a beautiful country you know they have a whole coastal area there's not a lot of infrastructure for flights and all so there's like five six seven hour drives we, we hired a driver mm. and so we could really enjoy it more and we just made our way around we went all the way out uh to the near the algerian border mm. out in the desert uh in the sahara and uh you check Ken out rented a yeah. camel went <laughs> uh went riding a little bit we uh did your, some ATVs. did your camel kiss you? Because I, I know that they, they, they they're, they're kiss very you. affectionate. Yeah. yeah, you know I'm black, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, did kiss. My dog so yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know where that camel's lips been. I, you know, I, look at me. I, I don't know, man. I ain't trying to. That's a great point. Limits. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> we really, literally, the the place we ended up at. So someone was like, "Oh, so you you did these luxury tents and da da da." I was like, "Okay, real talk. How that came about was one of my good friends had just been there like six months earlier, four months earlier, and so we did a little Zoom with Brian Chanel. I was like, "Hey, what was your number one tip?" And Brian's face change he goes man brother like you know you gotta get one that's got a private bathroom i was like "Ooh, this is not his personality like he just came out of nowhere like he was stressed about it like and so i started looking up private bath and when i did private bath only like two places came up wow that's how we chose the place it, it wasn't the other side of it it was private bath, private bath. because i was like i show ain't sharing no bathroom with okay. nobody but the only ones with private bath were like these vip places so that's how that was how we did i wanted a private oh, bath so, which so i'm good. so glad because you know the floor and i oh. just i needed a very western <laughs> So it's, so it's, it's funny as you said it because Daniela's like that. And, and we was in uh, Bali mm -hmm. and we went down to the beach. I want to go there. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. And the, but the bathroom. <laughs> the bath, she was like, I can't go to the bathroom. It, I was like, hey, it's, I'll hold it. It's natural. It, <laughs> like, it was, they had a big bucket of water with a spoon in it. And you take the spoon. That's how you flush the toilet. So real talk, it's not Angela, it's me. Angela grew up in farm country. So she grew up in southern so Indiana. Okay. You know, her grandparents were egg so farmers. She had know. a dookie stick. Yeah, she grew up she, around 33,000 chickens I bet you laying she eggs. Knows. I bet you she knows what a dookie stick she is. She can do anything. Like, she's the one that, like, so, like, I'm not even handy. She's the one who fix stuff around the house. Like, her dad's a retired home builder. She'd be like, I, I got that. I'm like, cool. She grew up I'll like I'll go that. in the kitchen and cook something. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, hey. I love it. Oh, uh, that's pretty dope. Now, now, this is this. This looked like you guys hiked across all the dunes, miles so and miles, cute. to this location. No, we came from the front side of this photo. So okay, it, it, this is real early <laughs> in the morning. It was so. What was awesome is we 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 were out about uh, maybe an hour before sunrise, and uh, we we hired this guy with. He came with two camels, and it was just us out there. There was no other humans around, 
uh, and he took that photo of us. And we like to travel at what we call the shoulder of the season. Mm. So we typically, her birthday is October 28th, our wedding anniversary is November 11th. So we'll leave like the last week of October, first couple of weeks of November. Mm. And it's usually get really good weather because it's fall or spring, depending upon you know what part of the hemisphere you're in. And, nice. uh, and you get great rates and not a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a joke that I maybe don't like humans, <laughs> but I, I, I like the humans. No, you love I humans. just don't need them all up on me, you know, like, and all the time, like. you know, just touching me and sweating on me and stuff. I, you know, I just, yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, no desires to go down to the festivals, South by Southwest. Could, you know, like, keep me away from all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Angela wants to go back. She went to that a couple of times. It's like, Hey, let's go back to, I was like, they got a tent <laughs> you know, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> with a private bathroom free from mosquitoes bathroom, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like when you go to like a, a sporting event always get the tickets with the with the lounge access with right, the private bathroom right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the truth I, like, I want the bathroom right next to yeah, me yeah gotta have that Just yeah. buy, get, don't want to wait in line Get, get, get the private bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is funny. Uh, I love it. Yo, Ken, I really appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, I mean, you got you, you got a lot of things going on. And what's something that you could leave with the people um, if they could follow you on Instagram or, or social media or if you just want to leave a gold nugget, uh, especially for emerging entrepreneurs? It's kind of uh, my 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 goal right now is to kind of talk to the emerging entrepreneurs especially in today's times like modern leadership is uh is is is, is coming we have technology that's that's out here that is going way faster than we are and traditional leadership like that that steve jobs way of leaving of leading is old we have to look at our teams we have to look at what's going on around us to your point leading with love that's the new way of leadership that that that's the modern leadership culture so if you if you want to leave somebody with, with some gold nuggets around that or you know where they can follow you or, or connect with you, let us know. Uh, I live pretty open life. So Ken J Barnes one K E N J B A R N E S one is Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's mostly food, <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I would say this: if we're talking entrepreneurialism and and startup, I can't think of his name, but he was the former chairman of BP, British Petroleum, the big oil concern. And uh, this is the gist of what he said, but it was that the downside risk is never what it seems mm -hmm. from a negative perspective. And what he meant by that is we often will make decisions like, you know, the, the risk level is too high it's too risky, I gotta stay away from it. And what he argued is that it's never as risky as you think it is. So take the plunge. Mm. Mm. And that's what I would recommend to them. Take that plunge. There was a book, I was like 19 years old. It, it's like, I don't know, it's like a 60 page book, 70 page book for like outside salespeople, you know, or whatever. That's, I came up in outside sales. Th those are the best ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Quick, and, quick and to the point. <laughs> and it was, um, I don't remember much the content. I remember the title and the, the focus, which it was called, you can't still second with your foot on first. Mm. And, you know, it's just basically that. And I grew up playing baseball, so it spoke you know. to me. Mm -hmm. And it was that, you know, you got to take off. You may get thrown out. You may get picked off, mm. you know, but go. Yes. Go for that, that base. Take off and, and run. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to, like, 
you know, people swinging on the monkey bars like they had when they were younger and they want to like keep holding it and they, they fall mm -hmm. because they hold on to the too, last yeah. bar too long because they're, they're, they're afraid. Mm -hmm. They go to the next one. And I, I see that, I see that more in our community. This, uh, I, I want to start this business, but I don't want to leave my state job or mm -hmm. I grew up in Sacramento. So I, re so I remember everybody got state, state jobs. jobs there. Uh, That's a good you thing, know, right? like, down here, maybe right? it's county. And it's not yeah. that there's anything wrong with working. Mm -hmm. Uh, the point being is it's not it's not being an entrepreneur right. and you can't try to do everything you know walk away or just stay what you're doing but if you want if you want to go big you got to walk that plank got to. Yeah, that's you right. have to can so. you know we, i feel like we could have talked about anything with you and i appreciate <laughs> that yeah you're a great i appreciate you guys having me on I, thank you so much yeah. and I, I i do appreciate it it felt like i was sitting in the barber shop of that course i don't it. remember anything what? i said so <laughs> i may have just blown up all my opportunities for everything forever because i just said what came to uh, mind <laughs> and, but no you're you're dead on and, and what you just said it, it goes right with my my final thought um which was remembering that you are going to die is the best way to know to avoid the trap of thinking that you have something to lose right you're already naked there's no reason not to follow your heart and that was from steve jobs um who was the late ceo of apple right mm -hmm. so that 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 also like, um you've got to be uh your problem is that you're not afraid of dying you need to be afraid of dying that was from that dude in the pit with backman in, in the dark night rises when he got thrown down in that pit and his back was broke he was mm. trying to climb out like i said if you're afraid of dying if fear finds you then that's that's, that's when you go yep so that's, that's the other great uh, yeah but i don't know that dude's name yeah. down the pit i love that scene <laughs> it's funny because because eo just had um the guy that uh was in the movie well the movie was about him mm. i think it was like 127 days or something like that is the name of the movie if i'm not mistaken I, and it, it it irks me that i can't remember his name but it was aaron something and he uh cut oh, off his own 127 arm. hours yeah 127 yeah he cut off his own arm um, to survive because he was stuck. Uh, oh yeah, it's yeah. something that uh, it impelled him. He was stuck yeah, there, and he yep. had to, yeah, yeah. So, so it just, I mean, it, it, it's you know, being in those situations where fear is it, not about fear. So I say that because someone just hit me in my inbox and was talking about uh, what you know. He was a manager at a corporation, and he's like, you know, I'm ready to get out the corporation. What were some of the fears that you went through? And I was like, bro, every single last one of them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But. You got to fucking jump. Build the plane while you're flying. Yeah. You know, that's 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 what it comes down to. So so whether you're a CEO, CEO, entry level, you know, somewhere in between, it doesn't matter. You know, we encourage you to think about what you're doing and make a difference. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to, because whatever it is that you want to jump and go through, it's all about making a difference. And as long as you treat your team right, treat your people right and treat your customer right, mm -hmm. you're going to fucking win. It might not be winning at the time that you want, but you will fucking win. Yep. This is life and shit. This is life and shit. Love you. <laughs> Do us a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Leave a review. Let us know what your thoughts are. That's the only way that this show is going to be successful. And we appreciate you. Talk with you next time.